Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Practitioner Radio, episode number 51, Pink Elephants podcast for the IT management community, the IT community, the, all the new communities are popping up. This is Troy, how are you doing? There's like a new community every day lately. I know, it's like social media platforms and this forum, that forum. I'm doing great and I'm still just me in the context of... Yeah, you're still Troy. Yeah, just I have my family and I have my friends and I know where I belong. <laughs> that's, that's good enough of a context for me. My circles are small, Chris. Your circles are small. They're small, but they're thick circles. You know, it's funny. There's there's lots of people in my life that serve lots of roles. But the one role I've noticed, because remember, I've told you I've known you for years, even though you didn't know who I was sitting in the back of the room watching you speak at conferences and stuff was the movie Inception has this this concept of a constant so it's something that you know it was a little top in the movie and whenever he would see that that was his constant to remind him that it wasn't and I think for so many people Troy you do serve that role of, of, of as their constant well thank you that that movie did freak me out I could never actually figure out the ending was he in a dream or was he actually in real I I still don't know to this day. Is is practitioner radio actually happening? Is this a dream? Are we really here? <laughs> is this like reality? Are we just thinking about reality? <laughs> Speaking of reality, there is a unicorn in the room for show 51. Uh, I don't think it's a unicorn, but it's certainly been been called a unicorn. Uh, do you want to geek out on some CMDB? Yeah, in fact, it is a unicorn because it is not a popular topic any longer. It used to be, you know, configuration management as a process in the CMDB it used to be everyone's child. And, you know, good friend of mine, like Rob Rob England, would basically declare this kind of whole show kind of probably useless. If you're listening, Rob, go ahead, comment away. <laughs> but, you know, I still have some core beliefs that I think this is still a valid conversation. Context, system thinking. You have to understand relationships to understand the context to make decisions. And how do you do that when you don't understand relationships? So this is back to your earlier comment, right? This is circles within circles. You have to know the linkages. Full disclosure, I got my, I got my start in, in, I guess, you know, traditional ITIL. Uh, because one of the things I was doing was I was really heavy into configuration management. And as soon as we could actually map, we were using some net routing systems literally to reverse map our network. We could actually see relationships. I got so excited. Well, you know me and my quantified self, right? Mm-hmm. So I love seeing data relationships. So I, that just became my thing. So literally between uh, 1999, probably when I started hardcore doing pink conferences, in 2004, I was just crazy for them. And then 2005 to 2007, I really was like service catalog junkie. I mean, I'm going to come out of my ITIL closet. Those are my things. CMDB and service catalog. And they are related, as we've talked about in the past. I mean, you, you the various services you define are the ones you model in your config database, right? Which basically the service definition is that DNA construct running through every single management practice you can think about. If we're here to deliver a service, then everything really should pertain to it. CMDB is just a kind of a a visual representation of that exact model. So, so that's that's a good place to start. You, you said because you know there's going to be a lot of you know consternation about the show. You said CMDB is a visual representation of that model. 
So is it? Do you need to see a CMDB? Can it, can you read a CMDB? I mean, let's just get this right out in the open from the start. Well, I think it's Shakespeare who said that the picture is the thing that captures the imagination of the king. Oof. We like to understand context, and visual is one way that we understand the context of system. Hmm. Uh, relationships are best understood when they're visible relationships. The more abstract and more obscure ones are obscure. Uh, so, you know, that clarity of relationship is what's important and the visual for most people is how it works. You can get into a, you know, a record and start clicking link to link to link and find yourself navigating from relationship to relationship, but you're still kind of always stuck in the context of your immediate, I am here. Roll back on the negative bar on my Google map to get the bigger, bigger picture context, right? I'm, I'm down on street view level. And street view is useful, but sometimes we've got to just roll back to the larger panoramic and see how does this all connect. But the other thing that's really interesting is I had never had anyone use that analogy and beyond me with a CMDB, probably because there wasn't Google Street View when I was doing CMDB. So thank you for this little kind of multiple mind trip here. Is the interesting thing about pulling back, and what I always loved about CMDB was, at least way back in the day when I played, but you could pull back further enough and you could kind of get an idea of your 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 business as a whole and you can see these relationships and it was really great for outages and understanding things and then as i kind of evolved remember i'm a decade older now you know i service catalog and services really become important and how they kind of tied back in to cmdb and for that matter i mean the first time i was in a new scale class uh way back in the day and under this concept of uh cms i was i was a neighbor with cms because i didn't even had never even linked you know, service pipeline and a bunch of other things uh, as it ran through. But to your point, pulling all the way back, you do see not only, you know, connected you know, streets to cities, to land, to continents, to oceans, but you start to see a holistic view. Well, and just for people who don't know CMS, that's configuration management system, and that's pulling Thank back you. to the continent view versus the, the nation view, right? So systems within systems. Yeah, and uh, sir, what, SKM, or SKMB, what's the one above that? Service knowledge management system, basically that's even getting even more. So it's basically layers of the of the matrix, if you want. So what, are, what, are we at the earth view yet? At, at the service knowledge? Well, it's actually interesting you say that, because I actually want to kind of play uh, a scenario for you that actually happened in my life way back well, good, 10, 15 years ago, I was actually uh, invited to a tool vendor's corporate office in Long Island, New York, and you can probably figure out who that is. CA. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I was there. We were going through the network operations center, right? They had their major data center there, and it was a pretty impressive place, as you well imagine. And the knock had these massive screens. And on the screen was this, this globe. And it was spinning, as you would expect globes to do. And they showed me a demonstration where, where one of the continents suddenly went red. And I, okay, and they clicked on the continent. And then we had a kind of a blow-up view, basically. It kind of focused in. The map got smaller. And now I'm looking at North America. Uh, North America, you know, specifically is Mexico, U.S., and Canada. Yes, all three. But the U.S. was red. Mexico and Canada were just pie-apple green, right? So they clicked on the U.S. Up comes a more expanded view. Uh, now I see cities, little city icons, and Boston is red. Uh, the other major city icons are green. They click on the Boston. Up comes now office towers, Chris. And uh, the office towers are 
one of them's red. And they click on the office tower. Whoosh, that becomes again now business units within the office tower, and this online banking business unit is is uh, is red. I uh, click on that. Whoosh, up comes now the resources and the servers and the databases and applications that is supporting a service called New Bloomberg Nasdaq feed. Right, and now I'm looking at the the service Bloomberg Nasdaq feed down to the resource level. One server is red. Click again. Now I see the actual technical services running on this box device. One is stopped. Uh, they right-click, restart it. The whole cascade goes green again. But, but okay, so I, I'm loving this. But, but at that point, literally, I would want a timeline view and go, show me any type of change management around this box over the past week. I mean, I would literally want to zoom in to where it touches process. Yeah, I mean, in my scenario, I just right-clicked and restarted the entire service architecture. Yeah, but that's that's that, that's like putting a band-aid on it. Where was the where where the process break? Yeah, so where did it where did it come from? You're totally right. I mean, something happened to make it stop, whether it was a technical failure or human error. Yeah. And that's the next question after I restore service. Okay. What happened and how do I make sure it doesn't happen again? But that the whole premise of that organizational uh, relationship model started with a database of relationships that this physical component actually had a basis for being a reason for being in the context of this service news the, the data feed to the online banking to the global context here you can't do that kind of automation it's way before it's time yes <laughs> i was wondering <laughs> it wasn't a tool constraint the fact was that no one manages data to that relationship level so I, I know I'm talking what sounds like a fairy tale because in the reality, the tool has been able to do it, but our organization has not been able to use the tool because of their focus on technical domains and isolation. Even system management tools kind of went through this evolution. Uh, the first tools that we had out there were domain-based monitoring tools. And you needed one for application monitoring, another for database monitoring, another one for server. In fact, you needed three different types for the Unix server versus the Wintel versus the mainframe, right? Uh, and the Vax machine, et cetera, all had their own specific technologies for monitoring. Uh, but then we realized we really should manage relationships. So mom was born, the monitor of monitors, where I aggregated data feeds up from these, you know, these unit-based uh, activities uh, and then I was able to aggregate it to this system kind of construct object. Uh, but then we got products like Mercury, later bought by HP, that was able to do multi-domain monitoring, and they would actually aggregate data up from the component level to the system layer, up to the business service layer. And, you know, that was cool. But 8 out of 10 organizations who used it, guess what they used it for? Monitoring individual boxes, <laughs> they never they never used the tool to its capacity or capability because they were culturally not able to. In fact, I've asked you this question: you know, what is the business case for a CMDB where I model all this wonderful concept constructs when I don't know what a service is nor care about managing it real time? Well, you know, I, I don't have a good answer for that. I think in so many ways, you know, I sometimes wonder. I'm, I'm working on a, a presentation for. You know, I can't believe me when I tell you this. 2015, uh, where I've been actually modeling all the different cloud services in my life and how much I'm paying for them and where they fit into the infrastructure of me. So everything from like a personal system, like a doctor who gives me a service, all the way up to like a vanity system, like you know, a page that actually just hosts pretty pictures that I take, right? And how all of those systems interrelate. I don't know how you would have done it back then, but. If I was an organization, 
I, I would have no idea how I would even get to start, how many teams of people I would need to dismantle for them to think objectively about this. And I think that's why so many people poo-pooed service cattle, I'm sorry, CMDB and kind of went the services route because they just thought either it was impossible. I think Rob England calls it the 1% club or something. They can actually pull this off, but, but I don't know. And, it, and it's not because the tool is the constraint. The tools have been out there for over a decade. That's the point of my, my Long Island story. The real issue is that we're focused, at, we're not even systems thinking, letting alone service thinking. So it's a cultural readiness to think in contexts of beyond a domain optimization. Right? You know you're in a you know, world that's actually beginning to be systems oriented. When everybody has their own spreadsheet, you're the database guy and you have your spreadsheet and you add new two new columns in it um, for servers and applications. I'm the application guy. I got my list of applications. I got my spreadsheet. I add in servers and my, you know, my spreadsheet. And now... The server guy over there has got two columns and he adds in databases and we begin to think, okay, maybe I need to know the immediate upstream-downstream relationship here. But that's still just the beginning of technical relationships. Mm. I still don't understand the business impact and usage and consumption. right? But this, the constraint is the reality of cultural acceptance of system thinking. Cultural impact of systems thinking is, we could spend two shows on that because that really goes into humans and belief systems and how people rationalize external truth. But that was a pre-show chat we had. Um, (laughs) That would really take us down a rabbit hole. That would take us down a rabbit hole. But it really does come down to the business impact, I think, on one side of it. But then, and I really like the fact that you talk about CMBB, straight to business impact. But, you know, is there a role? I mean, I want to just go back to this. Is there a role for CMDB? Uh, at the CM, anywhere at a CMDB, you, know, you can tell me specifically tool or just process to actually drill into the processes that govern those systems so that you can explore those, you know, tangential, almost like, you know, the electric box in the, in the house, right? You know, and then following the wiring, once you get to that box, that's really just the beginning of all the things that relate to that, which is a different electrical box than maybe the plumbing box, which is the business impact. So a lot, lot of analogies. Let me use an analogy from your own organization. Okay, yeah. so Which one, BMC, Chris Dancy? Yeah, BMC. <laughs> Most tools do this today. So again, it's not a yeah. tool constraint. Whether you're talking about HP, ServiceNow, BMC, CA, they, they all have this capability. Hornbill, EasyVista. Uh, everybody. Uh, yeah. we everyone. There's yeah. not one without one because you really can't do this without it. But one of the things I liked early about the BMC product and the Atrium product was that they had this concept of... Um, a sandbox. So you would literally be able to, you had a class of objects. You had server objects, attribute objects, and attributes for the servers, application objects, attributes for the application. And now we're getting into the CMDB object model conversation. But literally I could kind of grab and drag out of a library, if I remember this correctly, I believe I am, uh, and create a system construct from business process right down to the component. And I could then do what-if scenarios. If I kind of pulled out this Jenga block... (laughs) What happens <laughs> if I put it back in? Does it you know, does it fix things? And I could literally kind of visualize this uh, as one cons- complete construct. Push a button and publish it into the CMDB as one end-to-end entity. That was a huge improvement over what happened before, which is create a box, connect a box, create a box, connect a box. So that is in my memory. Uh, and again, it might be faulty, but that's how I remember uh, something that really impressed me at one point. The key was that this what-if scenario was modeling the system even outside of a production capacity, not just for creating and publishing it, but also just effectively testing and verifying things. One of the first chinks, and I I think one of the first serious doubts that a CMDB could be somewhat 
as relevant in the future, uh, and remember, I'm just a simple config guy who's trying to pretend like I can talk to you, was when I started noticing businesses moving to cloud services, which no, which were different in some, and I'm, gonna, I'm, ready, I'm ready for this, which are different than maybe uh, hosted services where, you know, I know this is the provider and I know what they have, but cloud services added this extra layer now because we don't know how many other systems they're dependent on. Now, maybe we can say holistically, if you're a SaaS provider, we can just say well, you're the end-all, be-all. But again, it's weird to think that CMDB upstream now actually goes into other people's CMDBs. So, you know, is there a is there a meta CMS to all of our connected systems? Well, in the internet of all things, right? Yes. That eventually will be, that is true, and we'll never have the entire map in our head or on picture. Mm. But it wasn't, this isn't really new. Um, it, it would look like a double helix. <laughs> <laughs> yes, DNA. Uh, yeah. But it's not really new. If you think back even you know, two decades ago, when we would model a system with wide area network, right? So there's, there's virtual mm. objects as well as the physical objects. Mm-hmm. And literally we would go from point A to point B and we want to model the end-to-end system. And, but between them was a WAN oh, and yeah. the WAN had leased lines and the leased yeah. lines would dynamically shift on you, basically, this is the same as a cloud. Literally, it's cloud before we called it cloud. So, in my model, I would go from the data center base switch or router. I would then go to a cloud object, and it has attributes that you know it's provided by this telco. And it has these performance attributes, and it has these aspects, uh, and it has these many dedicated lines. I don't know specifically which line right now because it dynamically switches. And then out the other side of this cloud object defining you know, the performance characteristics, it came out again at a location back to that location's router, then into the system of that, of that location. So we're just dealing with levels of abstraction where we can, we can map to a certain entity object, in this case a service, software as a service, infrastructure as a service, and it's the cloud it's role to worry about costs and details. I wonder, boy, that sounds familiar. Yeah. A service is something a customer is willing to pay for without having to worry about the specific cost and risk. Mm-hmm. Idle. Anyway, yeah. the, <laughs> the principle is we just map to a higher level abstraction, but we understand at least the premise of what's in that object and what are the performance attributes we can expect from it and the dependency from one to the other. Well, just with all the ways, I guess you always have to come back to keeping it simple. And you're right, I never, you because I remember those video diagrams with the WAN and the little kind of light blue colored WAN with a little squiggly above it. And right, we had no control over that. That was our cloud and and that, those would dynamically shift. Or even internally, when we went to a storage area network object in my CMDB, I would have physical servers hanging off of it, but they were children that I couldn't map dependencies to. So the dependency went to the SAN object. Yeah. Because of their fault tolerance, if one went down, it was designed that it wouldn't completely, you know, remove the system. It's, it, I guess my, my where I'm struggling is it, it was so much easier when I could see it. <laughs> but now we've moved to, you know, things like software-defined networking and, you know, a thousand different virtual servers across 12 different providers all running some shadow version of some application someone created, you know, and managed on Puppet. And like, I don't know, just give me my rack server and leave me alone. (laughs) But you know what? I always keep, I keep arguing that complexity is its own uh, argument for definition, Mm. right? The more complex, the more understanding I have to have of the complexity. I will never get down to the individual dynamically assigned technical resources within a store, you know, a cloud or private cloud scenario. Just like I would never get down to the specific current line that was being used in the WAN, the circuit. 
but I have to at least know I'm dependent on this aggregate component service object module, if you want, in the overall dependency stream. I have to at least know that. So fit for purpose modeling is key, where we combine both virtual and physical objects in our relationship model. And because we have to know dependency of of data throughput. How did you how did you just say say one more time? Because I'm trying to get my head around it. Complexity is his own argument for definition. I love the fact that you and everyone listening knew that's what I was trying to get my head around. All right, go ahead. The more complex the puzzle pieces, the more blue sky, the more important the picture in the puzzle box is. Well, think about putting a puzzle together of twenty thousand pieces without a picture. That would be really hard. Uh in practically impossible. Right now, our picture is in about 25 people's heads. Why do we have to have change advisory meetings with 25 plus people? Because our CMDB walks in each time. Now, the tragic thing is, it wasn't that we didn't know this at one point. You know, I, you and I have discussed this in kind of discussions around service design. When you talk to an a architect, especially an enterprise architect, and they've had to go through a, the business requirement of modeling the business process out and then understanding the relationship to the application layer the infrastructure layer, the data layer, and they create this UML-based diagram of objects and with class and type relationships, or objects with classes and types and with relationships between them. Um, literally, I have to know the system to build the system. I have to have the blueprint for the car before I can build the car. I have to have a blueprint for the nuclear plant before I can build the nuclear plant. I have to have the blueprint for everything before I can darn right build it. But when what happens in a technical-focused world that isn't systems-oriented is that after build, and I have this UML or object model diagram on the wall printed out in this massive you know, half-room diagram, the moment it goes into production, what happens to the contextual system knowledge on the wall? It's, it probably becomes irrelevant the minute you put it into production. We put it into production. It doesn't become irrelevant. It's in production in that context, but we stop managing it as a system. Now we each we, we manage every box, every application as if it's mythically isolated and self-contained. Uh, you know, it's time for a new part of the show. It's time for Tori's inception moment of the day. Are we within one large system? <laughs> thinking about systems? Thinking about their systems? Oh my God, I can't handle practitioner radio. Practitioner radio broke Chris fancy. Oh my gosh. All right, so, <laughs> and it was a talk on CMDB. God, my ruin my reputation. All right, um, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Geeking out on CMD object models. I mean, we're there. Yeah. Now, no one person has all the answers to creating and or modeling or keeping one uh, up to date. Right. So I actually wrote an article once. I uh, probably can still find it online. The CMDB is the resort condominium because <laughs> you've got all these mm. condos hooked together by hallways and, and walkways and elevators. And it allows me at least to have the understanding of everyone is in the resort <laughs> versus everyone's on their separate island with their own spreadsheets that have leaky rowboats connecting them. Right. It's a much better picture. No one wants to kind of give up their island and shave and come into you know humanity. It's, it's, it's your belief. The CMDB has never been more relevant. And the, and, and the very simple concepts we had in 1993 when we were doing WANs and, and DSL lines are just as relevant today in these hyper-overly connected, overly complex systems as they were back then. So complexity needs two things. Policy, definition, and automation. Right. Mm. The more complex, the more I need all three of those. So I need the complexity is its own argument for definition. 
The more complex, the more information I need to manage complexity. Context is key. Yes, there's never been a more critical need for it. The reason people have struggled is not anything to do with the need or the tools and automations. It's been about the willingness to to manage against system thinking and not focus on technical isolated silos. And we and we had we had a few good shows if you Google either one of our sites on systems thinking. You mentioned the context or where how historically, and I guess it doesn't matter because I'm starting to think that it doesn't really matter whether we're in 2050 or we're in 1984. How do people start to get their head around the context of a configuration item in a CMDB? I mean, obviously there are some very simple ones, you know, obviously if it's a telephone, but context seems to be kind of the kind of what breaks people. Because first, let me do one more thing about context. Sorry, because I'm trying to get to a very salient, simple version of my question. Context is subjective. Context is subjective from from the perspective of where you're standing? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's one of the biggest problems, if I could just go back in my day when I, when I would work with people on this, they, and they would explain to me the context of an object or a or even a business service for that matter, it was so radically different than like the next person. If I could put each person in a private room and ask them to tell me the context in which this this item existed, it would be completely different. And like literally, it was up to me as a consultant back in the day to try to figure out, okay, this is actually kind of a nice, safe way of looking at this relationship with the slanted because you know if you were the if you were the product manager if you were the business relationship the context for that item literally shifted and the context relies on a couple of core things core belief what am i in the business of doing managing and optimizing technical domain elements only under my hand or am i in a value system and do i need to understand the relationship in the system if I believe the second and latter, I'll be interested in CMDB and system thinking. If I believe I'm put on earth just to manage servers and to make them as fast and you know, furious as they possibly can or applications in isolation, I will have no no patience for this conversation. You're so good. No, it's good because you, you, you answered it. And then the second is language. I have to share mm. common language terms and definitions to even have a conversation of context. This is where service management comes in. And then, and then finally, as we know, it's not written down, it's a rumor. Yeah, absolutely. So we're just evolving, literally, you know, from the point of view of I've got my brake pedal, I've got my, my, got my bumper, and I've got my steering wheel, and that's all I have to worry about. Yes, I know I'm building a car, and I'll just put my thing on as it moves by me, but don't bother me with other details because that's the only thing I'm paid to think about. Right. Task specialization. Which is I. A culture killer in some ways. Speaking of that, side note, and we've got lots of great photos. You know, we love to put the photos, some really great show show note photos. Troy sent me some really good photos for today's show notes. So if you're listening to the show on SoundCloud or iTunes, definitely head over to Troy's blog, head over to my blog, and we've got these notes always syndicated in a bunch of places, uh, Service Fear, uh, Pink Elephant, uh, Troy's blog. Uh, and we've got some great examples. Troy, I want to ask a question, uh, not on this topic, because we're near the top of the show, but I wanted to get your opinion. People are kind of making a big deal that Microsoft has suspended stack ranking. So basically this concept that they used to have this scale in which like the bottom 3%, doesn't really matter, the bottom 3%, kind of like Hunger Games or whatever, they were gone. 
side note, good, good, bad. How do you feel about stock ranking? Yeah, I have to admit, this is news to me. You have to give me more context. Oh yeah, it's just uh, ju- just in the news yesterday. Give me more context. I need more context. Give me context. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it next time. We'll do a whole, we'll do. We have to do a kind of culture culture shows because some people are making a big deal out of it, and then literally the next day, uh, this morning, Yahoo announced they're actually instituting stock ranking. So it's a very simple process. It just means if you have a hundred people, you always have a bottom X percent, yeah. and that X percent will always be made redundant because they were the bottom. I see. So very fierce competition. Oh, okay. So this is their this is their hiring an HR policy you're talking about. Yeah. So if you yeah. and I were on a team and we managed 10 people, I was one of your 10 people you managed, every quarter you would say, there are three bottom achievers, you are off the island. Okay, I've got the context and I know, I know what you're talking about now. So Microsoft just abandoned it after 20 years. Yahoo just implemented it. And largely because the leadership sets the tone at the top. Right, and so in the past, this is with Microsoft's um, practice, and it has been argued it has killed innovation because it's focused everyone on individual performance, not collective performance. Yep. If I don't survive, then um, then that's the bad thing. So we either work as a team, a group, or we work as individuals. This is important, right? Because we're in a system of of, of value, a, a family system, uh, a, a cultural system, an organizational system, and the system lives or dies. And if the system has a a rotting element, then basically that's not a good thing. The whole system down. So this whole focus on let's let's just kill the unproductive has really focused people on isolating uh, personal achievement. And we talked about technical isolation and technical right. silos and technical specialization. And I, the only reason I, you know, it's kind of I brought it out of left field at the end of the show, and I, I do apologize to, to our listeners because I, I really felt. This is so critical because, you know, if we don't get back, you know, robbing, let's say, you know, it's online, it's, you know, people are, you know, emotional, but you know, it's time for emotion, but there's not a time for emotion. I'm like, I think we actually should spend more time weeping on servers. I'm, I'm talking about change the culture, change the game. And one other thing about yeah. the book that this refers to is results are important to everybody. But what are you focusing on? Individual results mm-hmm. or system results or team results? Right, individual results will get you a false positive, and maybe even focus you on the wrong thing. You and I, when we started practitioner radio, I worked at Pink. I've been worked at a couple companies since then. But you and I have always focused on the system. <laughs> what are the results for? You know, I think we've always kind of strived to do that, regardless of what all of our organizations and our and our industry did. You and I always focused on what do we do to improve the value of the system as a whole. One for all, all for one. The rights of the many outweigh the rights of the few. <laughs> oh, it's, it's another one of those lovey, touchy shows. Okay, so COVID was popular, and I'm, I bet our shows that are lovey-dovey on CMDB are not as popular. Or they could be wildly popular. Either way, tweet us uh, at Troy Dumoulin or at Servosphere. You can talk to us on all these places. Let us know. But it's time for Troy's little weather report, or as I like to call it, Troy's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day! Until we understand and culturally and personally accept the need to manage services and technology systems, we will never really be able to claim that IT is aligned with business. Beautiful. Troy, we have one more show before we all celebrate the holidays, and then we take a couple weeks off and come back and we do our 2013 review show. So I'm looking forward to closing out the year with you and getting to these holidays. And I appreciate your time as always. Cool beans. Next time. Talk to you soon. Next time.